0: and war machines welcome to marvel versus marvel it's a podcast where a comedian who has never read a marvel comic book before ever in their life watches a marvel movie or a marvel tv show and then quizzes a second comedian this comedian is a marvel expert this comedian was taught to read using marvel comics it's the yin and the yang folks of the marvel experience do you experience these movies purely as they are Inherent and virginal in your like Or do you come to them with some inherent knowledge From decades of reading comic books That's what we represent here on Marvel vs Marvel My name is Rob Howden I'm a comedian, I'm a writer And I am also the Marvel expert on this show But this show with just me Is boring and dull And has no purpose it Exists for nothing in this world And it relies purely and solely on on the ignorance of one man, it's Will Preston. I have the most interesting ignorance ever, and
1: no one can take that away from me. I'm taking that too much. My- it's to be written on
0: my gravestone. Uh, most interesting ignorance. Ignorance that you can't ignore. We, would do, we did a thing for the Radio Times, which is a prestigious publication here in the United Kingdom. And me and Will were chosen to go down and be experts on a panel and all sorts of stuff to do with Marvel. And in the middle of talking to us, the host went, Oh, I've just got the premise of your podcast. You know nothing. Why are you here, <laughs> Will? Really... Why did we invite you? <laughs> I really hope that's left in uh, on the final thing. Coming up on the show, we go behind the scenes on the troubled MCU production of Iron Man 2. The hirings, the firings, the constant script changes that put (laughs) a member of the crew in hospital. We take a deep dive into the movie and try to find out who is Mickey Rourke supposed to be in this (laughs) film? (laughs) How powerful is Whiplash? Who's the Crimson Dynamo? How powerful is War Machine? Are Tony Stark and Rhodey, best friends or bitter enemies, and in Justin Hammer, the best Iron Man villain of all time. It's all to come on this big chock-a-block episode of Marvel vs. Marvel. We're taking a remastered approach to Iron Man 2. It's part of our remastered series that we're doing here on the podcast. We started this, Will, nigh on, over three years ago. We did. We're in our fourth year. Yeah. Three years ago, this podcast was just a little distraction to keep us sane during lockdown, during the pandemic, when we couldn't leave our houses for more than an hour. And me and Will had nothing better to do. So we just started rolling through as a as a not even really thinking of it as a real podcast, just a little distraction. And we blasted through the first phase of of, of Marvel's MCU movies. And now here we are, three years later. And we've got an actual podcast with a real audience and and dedicated subscribers and patrons, and we produce real class episodes, baby. Mm. We need so we need to go back and class up the things we didn't put much thought into. <laughs> as in phase one, where an episode was like an hour, maybe an hour and twenty. God, um, yeah. So we, we we didn't we did not give Iron Man One, Iron Man Two, any of the first phase we didn't give it a proper, real deep dive with history and context. We didn't go and look at the production side of things. We didn't really give any context to what's going on. That's what we're doing here. We're really pulling these movies apart and giving it the, what we consider the valuable, classy MVM treatment that we currently do in this day and age. And so it's, that's why it's Iron Man 2 Remastered. Um, I love these episodes, Will. Oh, absolutely! It, uh, what I love is just coming back and then going like, "Hey, there
1: was a whole load of stuff we didn't talk about when we originally <laughs> did this. We found a treasure trove of of facts."
0: My 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 notes, mm. my, my, like the document mm. note for like the first time we did this three years ago, barely a page long. <laughs> I don't even want to now- I want
1: to dig dig mine out because I remember looking at some of the old ones and it was just
0: like. It was just some thoughts scribbled on paper, basically. It was just like, what
1: the hell is this?
0: I love doing it, and they're really, really popular. You know, that, that the Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk remaster that we've done, really popular episodes, as we put together the definitive podcast on these movies. you Once you listen to this, you won't need to go and listen to anything else about these installments. Mm. We're putting together the definitive phase one podcast. Um, with these remastered And I like to think of them sitting on a shelf And you'll be able to in the future You know you can go and listen to The kind of the the easy breezy Kind of uh, wacky Badly recorded original episodes If you want mm-hmm. or you can really dig Into things with these remasters. Um Now We normally announce the next episode At we the normally. end of the show yeah. But <sighs> Ah, uh, I don't. I almost, I almost don't want to do it, Will. But okay. A hole appeared in our schedule. Yep. As something got moved around to accommodate Disney changing things, the next episode freed up. And I foolishly <laughs> said to Will, why don't you pick? You can pick whatever you want. Like, there's the list of stuff we haven't done. Just like pick a movie. You knew and this we'll was a bad next. idea. You knew this was a bad idea, <laughs> I Rob. I didn't. I didn't. I thought I didn't. I thought it would
1: be something else. You trusted me when you knew you shouldn't trust me, Rob.
0: Oh my god. I said we'd never do this. <sighs> Will, do you want to tell the people at home what the next movie we're gonna look at is? People at
1: home, the next movie that we're going to cover is none other then X-Men the Last Stand. God damn you, yeah. Will. I'm
0: the, the Juggernaut worst, bitch The worst Marvel movie I've ever seen. Oh boy. I that's what Will picked, and I guess I have to do it. I said I spent three years saying we'd never do it. Uh... I, I I knew we could
1: crack you down eventually It took three years of chipping away Going yeah
0: but we need to cover it at some
1: point We need to cover it And then maybe Dark Phoenix as well in the future Never <laughs> Never
0: It's the weekend for me and Wills. we're recording this And the weekend to me always means Will That it's time for movies It's time to chill out It's time to relax You're trying to find something To fill those long autumnal nights Um, But it's really As we said before It's really hard to find a movie That you know you're going to want Do you know how many I'm 40 Do you know how many Saturday nights I've got left in me Not many Will (laughs) Uh, <laughs> let let me get a
1: calculator I want to depress you <laughs> <laughs> and, I,
0: and I don't want to waste a Saturday night on terrible movies uh, and it, no, no. as we've said in the past it's so hard to know where to go to get a good you can't trust Netflix recommendations you no. can't trust the disney you know it it, it it's all designed to push those terrible movies they've just made on you yeah, starring Ryan Reynolds and The Rock <laughs> stop making those films and they got they got to push it on you to recoup whatever money they've uh, spent on buying a boat and a <laughs> deserted island <laughs> to explode it's really hard and 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 did you see that article we both shared it this this month mm. that vulture article yeah vulture.com put this article out I don't know if you guys have not seen it track it down the, the headline is Vulture article reveals a PR firm has been manipulating Rotten Tomato scores for years now. For years, paying movie critics directly to inflate the scores of the movies that they're trying to promote. It's just and, like the big short, but for film scores. <laughs> but that, that, like, Rotten Tomato was like the last, because it was an aggregate. Rotten Tomatoes felt like it was the last one to trust, and everyone, everyone always talks about the Rotten Tomatoes score. We do it on this podcast. We talk about the Rotten Tomatoes score in this podcast and the great reviews things have gotten. And you can't trust Rotten Tomatoes. No, you, it's not only that, but I also i had this I've had this for a while as well. When there's a groundswell of people on Twitter, mm. right, that hate the Star Wars movies or that hate <laughs> the new Marvel movies, they seem to flood Rotten Tomatoes because yeah. it's like a bandwagon it's like a meme it's like a it's like a part of their part of their like online identity is i violently hate the new marvel movies or the new star wars movies or whatever it might be and i'm going to just go online and slag it off and i honestly i read some of those reviews do not match my movie going experience absolutely bad faith reviews all bad faith reviews so they're either being paid off by a pr company <laughs> or it's it's a bunch of like twitter nerds doing a bad faith review to try and get clout online it's corruption from both ends mate corruption <laughs> from both ends And what it means is I'm wasting my valuable Saturday night Watching crap movies or not knowing which ones, the good ones to find And so I end up watching whatever's on BBC One Which is just not good for anybody on a Saturday (laughs) night But we've got the solution Yes We've got the solution to bad faith reviews We've got the solution to PR companies paying critics to write reviews on Rotten Tomatoes We've partnered up with Everlist.me Who are changing the way that we find movies Recommendation sites fail for all sorts of reasons But aside from anything else They do not take into account Our individual taste Like a movie critic Or a Netflix algorithm Doesn't seem to know me at all No Everlist fixes that problem By giving you movie suggestions From real people Who like exactly the kind of movies you like The best kind of people The best best kind kind of of people Because me and Will are on it Yeah, we've done it You create your list on Everlist.me You put your favourite movies at the top You rank them You get your top 10, your top 20, you keep going And then it matches you Everlist will match you with other real people That got the same taste as you So when they recommend a movie It's a recommendation You know you can trust And it's all completely free You don't pay a single thing to be a part of Everlist.me um, me and Will, we did our. I, I, I'm i struggling with the next lot on my I don't know how, how far have you gotten on your list, Will? I have. Oh, I think I've got like into my 40s now. But yeah, not like I've you. St- I I've stalled. I've, no, all right, oh. okay. I'm <laughs> sorry, that's an age <laughs> joke. <Stalled. laughs> I stalled in my 30s, and I'm just. It's a refinement mm. process. The thing about Everlist is that it mm. also, Like as much as you're doing it for recommendations, so many of my friends, we've got a group chat where we're slagging each other's review like choices off. I can't believe you put that on there. Right? <laughs> because that's you know, listen, this is not part of their um of their like of their business corporate profile or whatever. Yeah. But- Everlist need to use as a selling point. It's a great way of judging your friends and family this, because it's so salivating. This
1: is absolutely on point because every time I'm putting a film on, I I keep thinking, am I just putting this on just so no one shouts at me? It's like you have that Venn diagram of films that are genuinely good and films that you know everyone else loves, and then every now and again, I put a, put something like I think I put Freddie Got Fingered on there.
0: Oh just, dear! Oh god! <laughs> I
1: think I, you know, I, I, I. How have some... were you
0: ever in the comedy industry?
1: <laughs> I have but a the... soft spot for that film, and I thought I would put it in there just to see what would the, happen. The
0: great thing about Everlist is that it only works if you're honest. Yes, right. Yes, you can only get recommendations that are going to benefit you if you're really honest about what your real favorite movies are. So it, it works against that thing that Will's talking about. You can't have some nose in the air movie critic guy going, "Well, these are the greatest ten movies of all time." They, that doesn't help you because you're going to sit down and watch movies you're pretending to like. So you've got to be you, you have to be honest with it for it to work, and it does work. It works really well. Um, long time listener, Cody. He joined up. He follows me. I follow him. Cody's list has got uh his number one movie is Edge of Tomorrow, the the Tom Cruise sci fi movie. I never seen it. Emily Blunt, Tom Cruise, Edge of Tomorrow. I've never seen it. And it's Cody's number one movie. So that's a recommendation. I watched it last week. I had a great time. It was a great recommendation. I didn't need to kind of go on Rotten Tomatoes and look at, well, how many didn't like it? How many did like it? Do I, I just went to someone who's a real person that I really know. And me and Cody and Match on Everlist, I can see his other movies. And I go, that's a great, he's got the kind of taste I'm interested in. Bang! There we go. I had a great movie recommendation thanks to Everlist. and thanks to our listeners who who you know who, who signed up and who followed us. And, and Will, you've got a similar experience? Yeah, uh, this weekend I'm going to be watch, sitting down and watching a film. Guy looked at Peter Jay's profile. Oh, Peter profile. Peter, who Peter's. else? Who this else? Is fantastic. Cats in Space Is it Dogs or Cats in sp- it's Dogs in Space I think Yeah Dogs um, in- I'm just looking at it right now it- He has Dogs in Space I'm like, I did not know that was a film No Peter Jay I've known him a long time <laughs> his, his his movie choices are eclectic and brilliant And then there'll be like Danger to Oblique as well Which is like a, a, a classic of Of kind of Action adventure genre, but it's French, and so very few people have seen it. He's he's really so. What have you found on there that that's your, your next watch? Well, it's it's what we've actually uh,
1: talked about before on previous uh, previous episodes. The Rocketeer, and it's a film that I'm going. Why haven't I sat down and watched that yet? I'm an idiot for not doing that. So this weekend, I put some time aside to actually sit down and watch this bloody movie
0: because it's so far up on Peter Jay's list. It,
1: it, yeah, it's... If it's 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 his third it's his third uh film. That's, yeah, and, and uh, that, the other two I've seen, the the top one and two I've seen so
0: yeah. and like so that reaches out and grabs you and you go it's top it's Peter J's top th- three movie I got to see this why have I been putting it off? Everlis works so well for that stuff.
1: It works so well for that. Although if if his number one film was Dogs in Space, maybe I wouldn't trust this judgment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it makes you
0: think. What am I missing? <laughs> yes, because yes, I've not does. seen Dogs in Space. I, I mean, like, sheer
1: curiosity, sometimes even morbid curiosity.
0: Listen, I'm telling you, you no, know, right? I've seen Edge of Tomorrow. I don't have a movie to watch tonight. I think it's going to have to be Dogs in Space. <laughs> <Bloody> <laughs> because hell. what's the. F- I've I got to know what it's all about. Um, <laughs> Everest is so good at matching real people with real people. So you can see the recommendations of the people around you, people you know, and it'll match. It's not, it doesn't have to be people you know. I'm matched with a bunch of people I don't know. And if I've got a great big crossover of my movies with their movies, then I get to pick through and go, oh, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that. Um, And the more movies you add, the better your recommendations get, the more people that can match you with, um, the bigger matches that you get. Um, It's a great, real way of getting good recommendations. And we've got a competition for you. Man, this is really good. The amazing guys over at Everlist.me have sponsored an awesome prize for us here on Marvel vs. Marvel. Only our podcast listeners can get access to this. So they've sponsored... A year's subscription to Marvel Unlimited. How cool Ooh, is that? Hello. Hello. So Marvel Unlimited is Marvel Comics' online comic book subscription service. Like Spotify, like Netflix or whatever, they've got over 30,000 Marvel Comics up available. And thanks to Everlist, if you win the competition, you'll get unlimited access to those 30,000 comics. 30, Classic comics from the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. And everything, everything that Marvel currently published goes on there. So if you want to just start reading everything Marvel does every single month, Everlist is going to help you do that with a free year subscription. Um, it's great. for I use it all the time for doing research for the show. Even when I've got the issues, I don't always quite know where they are. don't have them to hand. I can quickly use... Marvel Unlimited to fire up and go, oh yeah, I need to read all of that That's how I read for the latest bonus episode on the Ultimates I read all of that on on Marvel Unlimited And uh, Everlist.me is going to give away a year's subscription For the the people we pick as the winner All for free for a year So all you have to do to be in with the chance of winning Is sign up for Everlist.me Make a top 10 list, top 20 But top 10 you've got to make And then Hmm. just keep going and then follow Marvel vs. Marvel on the website We've got that pinned on our Twitter as our top post If you want to, uh, if you can't, you know, you can search for us, you can find us Or you can find it on Twitter, click the top pinned post And that's going to be our Everlist link with our, our top 10, 20 superhero movies on there um, If you follow us and you've created an account, you'll be in with a chance of winning In a couple of weeks time, me and Will are going to randomly select a winner and you're going to get a year's subscription to Marvel Unlimited. A fantastic prize, thanks to people, at Everlist.me. So that's what you want to be doing. Head on over to Everlist.me, sign up, create an account, follow Marvel vs. Marvel, start making your list. start being honest about your list, start ranking. Follow Will, follow me. Yeah. Check out our top 10, top 20, top 30, top 50... See how much we cross over. Recommend movies to us. Let us recommend movies to you. It's all completely free and it is changing the way that we're discovering movies. You're all alone. You're at the bottom of Buffalo Bill's well. (laughs) It's dark. It's murky. There's someone offering you lotion. It's bereft of all light and hope and freedom. Is it Buffalo Bill's well? No, it's the murky recesses of the mind of a muggle. An ignorant brain devoid of all Marvel knowledge. Buffalo Bill's well is what I now call Will Preston's mind. Will, we're in the mind of a muggle. Mm.
1: (laughs) Goodbye, muggle. I've lied it over you. Is that what he sings in the movie? It's Goodbye Horses, the song playing in the background when he's... uh... Don't wait, say wait. that
0: like we know it. Oh, How would a regular human being? Scene,
1: it's an iconic scene, and
0: people—it's a song playing in the background. How would we like be able to recall that? Any to time, memory?
1: any time I've started like looking weird and saying goodbye, they immediately know what I'm on about. They've seen science. Ele- people who know films, <laughs> Rob. People <laughs> who
0: know films. God. Okay, so God, so you're in infuriating. D- <laughs> Murky recesses of a mind of a muggle. Um, to investigate How the average person This podcast is all based on the yin and the yang Of the Marvel experience I approach movies With a lot of inherent kind of Opinions and knowledge And pre-baked in things We experience certain movies like The Eternals and Infinity War in very different ways And I always like to Get that approach before we get going, because Will Preston approaches these movies with nothing in his head. So, <laughs> Will, <laughs> it's uh, two thousand and ten. We've 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 had Iron Man and we've had Incredible Hulk. Did you see this movie in in the theatres? Had the because I had you seen the others in the theatres? I saw. Uh, I didn't see Iron Man in the theatre. That I was saw it, it later yeah. on
1: DVD and I was really surprised how good it was Did,
0: did you then subsequently see Iron Man 2
1: in, in the cinema? Did it I, drive you in? I did, I saw Iron Man 2 in the cinema Because I knew
0: there'd be some ACDC songs in the film And you'd seen the first one? Yeah, I told you, I'd seen the first one, yeah Right, yeah. so, so it, it, you, you now trusted that these were good movies I,
1: I trusted that I'm going to have a great time with Iron Man That's, that's what I was going
0: to have Yeah not necessarily Marvel, but specifically with Iron Man. Did, were...
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's an odd one. It, was, it wasn't enough for me to go, I'm going to see all the Marvel films. Sure. It, was, it was it was enough to just go like, oh, I like Iron Man, that's good. And plus it wasn't this whole thing of, uh, it wasn't the whole thing of like, hey, I'm going to subscribe to this movie universe and take in everything. Because I, I didn't know about anything about them being connected. I just went, oh, I'll just, I'll just, Watch Iron Man. Oh,
0: Captain America and Thor are coming out later. I'm like, yeah, I can't be bothered with those. It certainly seemed like it was easier for 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 some. To, it doesn't. I mean, for me, I'm 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 in for everything, right? Um, but for some people it certainly seemed like it was easier back then Some people seem very intimidated and put off by the idea That these movies are interconnected uh, For me I think they have a very wrong assumption uh, A dear friend of mine, Paul Savage He, he has this, he, he hates the idea of these movies being connected He thinks <laughs> that it's gonna, it means that he has to watch all of them It never has, it never ever has um, And any decent sequel doesn't really require you to have watched the first one Really, it'll give you everything you need to know um, as it as it kind of plays, but that's kind of a slightly different point. Um, you were at a stage now where you wanted to see another Iron Man movie. You yes. were excited enough for this one to send you to the cinema, and you, we, we talked about how you weren't really in that phase back then. No, no, I wasn't. I mean, this come on, mate. It was two thousand and ten. It was all about
1: Batman. It was all yeah, about, sure. All sure. about Batman. Nolan and and Batman. You only
0: had three shekels in your pocket, and they were all already assigned to a Batman movie. They're already signed. Um, so the trailer comes out, are you particularly excited for like a big supervillain? We didn't I mean, I will say we didn't really get a big supervillain in the first Iron Man movie. I know at mm. the very end we kind of get we get Obadiah in in a suit of armour yeah. for a little bit. But it's I think the basis of the movie is more Come and see Iron Man, the, the, the you know, the, it, it's selling it on the origin story. Come and see what this can do. This guy, he can fly, he shoots things, he, he's fighting these tanks and these people and mm. stuff. That was kind of the, the, the draw and the pull of the first one. The second one seemed to me to be based a bit more around there's a supervillain and yeah. there's going to be a fight. And also there's a, a second. Iron Man on the cover of the poster and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Was that was that? Did that resonate? Was that a particularly exciting thing, or was it just purely? I want to see more Iron Man, it, more Robert Downey Jr. I, I mean, it was just
1: I want to see more Iron Man, but there was this whole thing of oh, he's got another guy in an Iron Man suit. Oh, there's this a guy with electrified whips. This yeah. could be fun. This, yeah. it, it, you know, it's a lot more exciting than, than what was in the first film, which was military industrial complex man running about the gaff, shooting
0: tanks and rescuing people. And they're starting to, this is my my view, maybe not your view, from my view, they're starting to open the world up here now in a way that oh, Incredible yeah. Hulk didn't. Because I watch this movie and I know, well, suddenly we've got two supervillains, or two, two villains that I know of mm. from the comics, plus we're now getting a second superhero in War Machine and Rhodey, and we've got a third, sort of, in... In uh, Black Widow Because she's in those trailers as well And that starts to become Iron Man 2 is suddenly Bang, the Marvel Universe is here We've we've got a whole bunch of characters That are in that kind of action-adventure Super-powered kind of vein In a way that Incredible Hulk doesn't have And Iron Man doesn't really, really have Um, Did it feel like it was from the trailer, it's going to be a bigger kind of movie.
1: Oh, absolutely! You know, you know, with with, with many sequels, like the, all the good sequels, it's just like, okay, we're going to do some similar stuff, but it's going to be bigger and more of it. Like, yeah, say Terminator Two, Aliens, those kind of films just go like, look, we know what was good about this, but we're going to, you know, up, ramp it up in in a, in a way that makes it feel a bit bigger, like we're opening up the universe a
0: bit. I think it's a hell of a trailer as well. I mean, mm. once uh, to your point, ACDC drives these trailers, um, and it's a it's a great way of of getting people uh, jazzed and excited. It goes really well with lots of action sequences. Um, I mean, a good trailer for a sequel, it's got to it's got to have had a good first installment. Like it's not. Yeah, I don't know, with the first movie you kind of You will go on the basis of a good trailer But if it was a bad movie and the sequel has a good trailer I don't know if you're going <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen that before I've never yeah. seen a bad movie get a great sequel Um, There must be one though There must be one I think there is somewhere the second one's better But you, you're probably right I don't know if I have a terrible well the, well the Fast and the Furious movies kind of do it Oh yeah, They but that was... and flow until they find the right producer Oh yeah Hmm Ah no, not Mission Impossible because the first one was actually quite good. First one, De Palma. You can't knock De Palma. Can't can't knock it. But, it but wasn't it's a what similar thing. Wanted. I mean, I mean, yeah. After they, after they, but sometimes those are, I don't know. Those Mission Impossible movies almost feel like you're getting a complete, almost a completely, for the first few anyway. It felt like a completely different themed yes. movie. Um, one, two, and three. Anyway, we're off topic. We're off topic. Um, it's a it's a hell of a trailer. Um, it's it's uh, it pulled in young Will P. Oh yeah, um, who uh, was reticent about anyone not named Batman at this at this era. <laughs> and did on the I mean you didn't you didn't see Hulk in the in the theatres at all. Um, it was, I only saw it when we handled it on this podcast, mate. I never so saw it. So this never is saw it. The first MCU movie you saw, your first MCU experience in the cinema. Yes, because I, never saw, yeah. well, I
1: never, never saw the X-Men films
0: in the cinema D- They're not Jeez. MCU Well, no, they're not MCU, but even Marvel D- Did I you see them. Spider-Man in the, in the cinemas? You must have done that No, Spider-Man I didn't see any of the Spider-Man films in the cinema God, Jeez. so did Blade?
1: No, I was too young for Blade And plus I was frightened of vampires. Yeah, that's well, true I, I would have been scared of vampires, <laughs> mate I was 11 I thought, oh, so, gory
0: Vampire film I'm not going to enjoy that What we've uncovered This is your first Marvel cinema experience Exactly. It's mad. Do you remember do you remember how you felt kind of like in the movie or coming out of the movie Good Loved Reflections it. when you yeah?
1: Loved it. And I'm still confused at people hating it. I I had a great time. It's not perfect. I had a great time.
0: It's a great laugh. I I 100% agree this is a, this, this film is packed with fun, packed with laughs, packed with great scenes. I I really it's really high up the level of my enjoyment on these movies. As I climb out of the murky well, as uh, Buffalo Will um, (laughs) makes himself an overcoat of my skin, (laughs) he was after a hefty girl. He's. uh, I, (laughs) I need to call for help. It's not Clarice and the FBI I call for. It's a man that knows everything about Hollywood. It's a man that rakes through the dumpsters and the trash cans of the movie industry to bring us all the dirt. It's Mr. Hollywood. Mr Hollywood Thank you Right what can you tell us about the uh, the making of Iron Man 2 Well first of all we're going to make
1: sense of the dollars and cents And we're going to be a bit more thorough from now on uh, Let's start at the beginning of the MCU with Iron Man in 2008 Right the production budget was 186 million Opening weekend 102 million You've got to be happy with that haven't you That's very happy Domestic box office, uh, 318 million. Uh, International box office, 266 million, bringing the worldwide box office to 585 million.
0: That's a hell of a first outing for Marvel, isn't
1: it? It really is. It's 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 incredible. That is really good. Also on top of that, you've got the estimated domestic video sales of one hundred and ninety-eight one hundred and ninety-eight million on top of that. Because that's important, guys. I know we like to talk about hey, if this film's broken the box office, this is this is gonna do well. But even films that don't do well at the box office tend to tend to recover a lot of sales through domestic video sales. Obviously this film did well at the box
0: office, but still And, and of course, we're talking 2008, this kind of period of time. We don't Mm. have the dominance of streaming services. So video, um, no video on demand, really, and no OTT services that have been widely used. Um, There's some video on demand, of course. But generally, you're going out and you're buying. I bought this. You said you first saw it on DVD. So we're in this era where home video, DVD, and then eventually Blu-ray is really still big. So to do nearly, that's nearly 200 million on Oof. guys why did hollywood why did they let streaming services come in letting ne- giving netflix access to your library was a mistake <laughs> it forced everyone's hands and now they are just giving their movies away listen it's great for us don't get me wrong it's great for us i've I listened to some exhaustive documentaries on netflix and blockbusters and and and, and the rise of streaming service these production companies killed themselves. There was a quote the other day during this whole strike business about the head of some studio saying, we've been giving away our best content at rock bottom prices for too long. Mm. I agree with you. You've made a massive mistake. You have, you know, that the interview with Matt Damon where he says that mid-budget movies cannot be afford to be made anymore at all. I mean, it's either got to be you know, a blockbuster that's making five hundred million or you can't make the movie. Um, because there's no there's no there's none of these there's no extra you can't rely on an extra two hundred million coming in to to make up um, to make up your sales. Incredible. Incredible stuff. It's speaking of incredible Incredible oh! Ooh.
1: I thought you set me up on no, purpose. Not there.
0: intentional. Incredible's a word I use a lot.
1: Oh god. Incredible Hulk two thousand and eight. Production budget one hundred and thirty seven million. Opening weekend, 55 million.
0: Look at your judgmental
1: tone. Mm. Mm. You didn't try hard enough, did you, Incredible Hulk? Yeah, you didn't try hard enough. Uh, domestic box office was 134 million. International box office, 130 million. So, you know, not not as good. Well, that's, that brings to a worldwide box office of 265 million. Did well. Didn't yeah. do terribly. Yeah, yeah. However, uh, total estimated domestic video sales, only 80 million compared to iron man's almost 200 million
0: i mean head back to our incredible hulk remastered episode pull that off the shelf to hear our thoughts on on why it got to this day what contributed to that kind of a downswing in 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 that business compared to um compared to the uh the iron man movie i mean releasing them so close to each other i don't think helped but there you go no no absolutely right where are we for this one
1: then so we're now at iron man 2 2010 Right, production budget, one hundred and seventy million. So, looks to be a little bit cheaper than the first, which is odd. Uh, opening weekend, one hundred twenty-eight million. So up on that, bigger opening weekend. Bigger opening weekend. Domestic box office was three hundred and twelve million. So roughly the same. So less. Oh Slightly, yeah, yeah, roughly yeah, the same. Yeah. International box office, three hundred and eight million. Big uptick Big yeah. uptick So we now have a worldwide box office of 621 million The biggest box office uh, out, the, out of all of them Not as many, almost as much uh, On the uh, domestic video sales uh, 186 million So I don't know
0: why happened Sometimes Well sometimes that's affected uh, As we'll just talk about this, this movie isn't as well thought of As the first one So if you go and see this movie ah. You go see Iron Man and you love Iron Man You go and buy the DVD so watch it again if you go see Iron Man 2 and don't like it as much Or don't really think it's as good as the first one You're less inclined to go and buy the, the DVD, aren't you? Yeah, I still won't understand the critical the, the we've, got, we've got a lot in that mailbox to, um, yeah. Back and forth, baby Um, Mailbag, sorry
1: But before we come to the mailbag Let me tell you some uh, it's got Dig the pro- through the dirt Dig through the production We've got some entertaining stuff As we've hinted at, at the start of the podcast
0: So this, this is, I think um, we had tons in, in in Iron Man Remastered about the troubled production, not troubled production, sorry, about this the creation of the MCU and Marvel Studios. An Incredible Hulk, we had tons about the the problems between Universal and Marvel. And in this one, we've just got a messy production thing to get into. <laughs> All three of these remasters... this is why we do the remasters. It's because. W- I mean, we didn't we didn't have these kind of tools and this mindset three three years ago. But it's incredible now to be able to look back with the kind of scrutiny that decade, you know, a decade and plus of of, of kind of like observation has allowed us to do. Um and that people have come out and said things and there's more interviews and there's more articles and the scrutiny that, that Will's been able to put this movie under. <laughs> I'm just thoroughly excited about this one. Oh, thoroughly,
1: thoroughly. There's there's so much to get through with this. So, John Favreau said it was originally his intent to create a film trilogy for Iron Man with Obadiah Stane, Jeff Bridges becoming Iron Monger during the sequels. After a meeting between Favreau and various comic book writers including Mark Miller, Stane became the main villain in Iron Man. Miller argued that the Mandarin, whom Favreau originally intended to fill that role, was too fantastical. Speaking about this, Miller said Completely out of the blue, when the script was still in the early stages, we got a call from Jon Favreau to fly out to the beginnings of what would be the Iron Man set and do little script consultancy work. Favreau didn't get us out there to just high-five the guy. He wanted us to be brutal and honest. And I have to say, I almost crossed the line when I talked them out of the Mandarin, who was in the original draft, and there was a terrible silence in the room for about 10 seconds until Fav agreed and we all got talking about beefing up the Obadiah Stane Ironmonger thing originally planned for the sequel. Oh, my God. Miller almost crossed the line there. <laughs> it's interesting.
0: Like it is interesting. Um, I, I think with the amount... How much focus in that first movie is on Tony Stark and becoming Iron Man? Yeah. I think you do kind of... I, I, I think you don't need... A major
1: villain? No, you don't. It, it almost seems like they they wanted a major villain towards the end and just kind of, ah, oh, we got to put someone in, I guess, you know.
0: Yeah. So it, it it kind of works that you've got you know you've got kind of the, a business rivalry and a, and he's like a business bad guy and he puts on a big suit at the end and he's a villain. He's he's kind of like only a villain for a few minutes at the end, really.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I um, mean, there's, there's the a twist late in the third act, and it's just like it's a typical kind of twist, like oh. The guy you thought was good sure. was bad.
0: <laughs> that kind of thing. And I, they're not Mark Miller isn't kind of saying this, but I think it's I think it kind of works for the structure of the movie. Mm. Um and and I wouldn't say that it's a problem. I mean, I think because of the world that the MCU tried to present in the early awnings in phase one, it certainly probably would be off putting to a lot of modern non-comic book readers. To have something that is so very science fictiony based mm. that that even if you take out the aliens from the Mandarin's origin and I don't know strip down some of the powers or whatever, you you kind of end just be presenting like a version of the Mandarin that isn't a Mandarin really. Yeah, I think I think I think Stain works works well enough for that first movie.
1: It, it, no, it, it does work well enough, as you said You don't need a supervillain But it's just the right amount of supervillain per se with a, with a great personal touch Just a pinch of supervillain Just villain. a pinch of super. It's a twist it's, it's one of the things villainy. where it's just like You don't really need a supervillain But it's like, for the structure of a film You kind of need a big thing to defeat at the end So
0: It's a miracle when You think about the Batman 1989 movie That we covered mm. exhaustively It's a miracle that that movie can do Can juggle those two so well yeah. Could juggle the creation of Batman and just how much I suppose because they, they kind of don't I maybe that's it. They don't do the they don't do the creation of Batman. They, they don't hint do the origin of Batman. They hint at it. They do the origin of the Joker. And mm. they do kind of the Joker's arc. Uh, and Batman's there, isn't he? I suppose yeah. that that might be um But you could have just had that whole movie, could have just been people just in awe of seeing Batman for the first time, and the Batcave, and the Batmobile, and the Batplane, stopping a few muggers, and then there'd be something at the end. They juggle that very well, and not many others do. Yeah,
1: absolutely correct. Favreau also discussed in interviews how the film's version of Mandarin allows us uh, to incorporate the whole pantheon of villains. He mentioned that S.H.I.E.L.D. would continue to have a major role, speaking about how the Iron Man films could expand. Favreau said, now that the Marvel is making its own uh, own movies... Every movie has to fit into Marvel, the Marvel universe. The Avengers incorporates not just Iron Man, but Thor and possibly the Hulk, and traditionally Captain America as well. As it is, it's scheduled. Uh, as it is, it's scheduled. Thor will come out the same summer as Iron Man 2, and Captain America will come out a few months before Avengers. All the films have to come together to create a consistent universe. That's very important to everyone involved. I think we need some v- version of classic villains in these movies. Many don't hold up well to time to the big screen, but the es- essence. Should inspire the characters.
0: He's clearly, I mean, he departed uh, Iron Man, and (laughs) right after this movie, yeah, and we did not get a version of the Mandarin that has any kind of essence of the character. Um, Yeah, so that's interesting.
1: Exactly. It was was a bit. Well, we'll talk about that when we get to Iron Man. Well,
0: are we redoing Iron Man three? Let's, that, that's, a, that's, an, that's an off-air discussion. That's, that's an off-air. I, I, I covered
1: I, I, Iron Man 3, but... Sorry, I'm, I'm facing yeah. the audience again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> While promoting the first film, Robert Downey Jr. stated that Stark would probably develop a drinking problem as he is unable to cope with his age, the effects of revealing his Iron Man, and Pepper getting a boyfriend. Robert Downey Jr. said, Well, if you ask me, the next one is about what do you do with the rest of your life once you've completely changed? You've created this thing which has the power to take life. Essentially you've been made into a god. You've been made into a god and a human being who metaphorically has been made into a god is not going to turn out so well. And their conscience is going to come to bear and I think he should do something wrong. I think that would be a good reason to get into the demon in a bottle. I think the drinking and all that stuff would be a good way to confront his age, to confront his doubts, to confront the fact that maybe Pepper gets a boyfriend.
0: It's interesting, uh, the the kind of movie that they thought they were going to be making. Um, Mm. And, yeah, it's... uh... Yeah,
1: it, 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 it seems like there's a fair amount of ideas. Iron Man 3 director and writer Shane Black gave some advice on the script. And suggested to Favreau and Downey that they model Stark on J. Robert Oppenheimer, who became depressed with being the destroyer of
0: worlds after working on the Manhattan Project. Interesting to know the connection between Shane Black and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Well, around the time of Iron Man, Iron Man Two. Yeah. I can't when Kiss Kiss Bang Bang came out. See, someone else mentioned Kiss Kiss Bang Bang
1: uh, when I was talking to, about Iron Man Two, and I've never seen that. And I ah, oh, great fun movie. Okay, I might have
0: to. How many films? It's on my, on my everlist. It's on my everlist.
1: Oh, okay, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll I really, I, I'm going to scour your everlist at some point. Uh, in July 2008, writer and actor Justin Theroux was signed to write the script. Speaking about writing for the film, considering the amount of uh, almost improv dialogue, Theroux said it was either that things were going well or Robert would discover something in his character during the day that he would gravitate to so we'd write more towards that. Maybe there were scenes that we realised we could deepen. It was very mercurial, changing things, and it was sort of a wonderful way of working. It's not unlike when you do a play or something, <laughs> and you have to... <laughs> oh, I know. And you have around five weeks of rehearsal where you can explore and touch all the walls of the room, so to speak. There are times that you wish you had that Except on film. Except you
0: weren't in rehearsal! You were shooting the goddamn movie!
1: <laughs> Sorry! <laughs> because a lot of those times, the first time the actors are even saying these lines to each other is the day they're shooting it. So if nothing else a lot of time we discovered uh, stuff on Iron Man 2 was that morning where we go, "Oh, the actors are doing that." So let's write more toward that.
0: That's bad. Yeah. <laughs> that is a bad way of running a film.
1: Yes. A lot of times we were
0: just writing stuff on the lunch break for that afternoon's work. Ooh, this is like so this is so clearly before Marvel becomes this polished thing. Right before Marvel Studios becomes this, you know, all the talk now is about how there's all this over control. Yeah, that's got to be because of what happened. I mean, you've you've got it in there uh, coming up. This this article that was written quite recently. Um, I wonder if Iron Man Two is a tipping point when they go, we can't have another Iron Man Two on our hands. Yeah, we've got to take over production.
1: I, I I would not be surprised if this was the catalyst that led towards that. Uh, an oh, an earlier version for the film's story Involved Justin Hammer creating Different villains in addition to whiplash Like Ghost, but the idea was Discarded. Of course, Ghost Debuted in the MCU years later In Ant-Man and the Wasp Now, this is, this is, this is One I really like Gendy Tarkovsky, Sorry, ta- 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 <laughs> Tartakovsky, Who created Dexter's Laboratory, Samurai Jack And Primal, storyboarded the film Speaking about this hire, Favreau said, I've always liked Samurai Jack and I loved his Clone Wars vignettes that he did. I've always liked his work a lot and I've met with him. We had lunch together just because I enjoy stuff and I wanted to meet him. I really dig his sense of humor and his sense of rhythm and the way he acknowledges the same cinematic masters that I really love the work of, like Akira Kurosawa and Sergei Leone. And he finds a way to pastiche it without ever undermining the stakes or reality of the tension that's created in his action sequences. Now clearly his stuff is a bit broad for a live action film but I love his rhythm and his attention to detail. It has a real comic booky feel but yet it feels cinematic and not gimmicky and even his cartoons feel there's an elegance
0: to them. I think uh, I would like to know just how much impact the storyboard has on on, on the movie because it's not so. I didn't, I didn't know how involved um, and how much they take from the storyboards. Yeah, um, I, 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 we don't usually talk about storyboard
1: artists uh, in these productions, no. really. But this this one, because I've 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 seen uh, Primal, which was very recent. Uh, he he got loads of awards for that, and it's inc- one of the most incredible. Pieces of animation I've ever seen, Primal. That's amazing. Of course,
0: uh, storyboards are all very well and good up until you are rewriting the movie (laughs) every morning. And then the things that were drawn several months ago are meaningless, as is the script you had created months ago. Amazing. Uh, mm
1: -hmm. Jazz directing. In October 2008, Don Cheadle was hired to replace Terence Howard as James Rode. Speaking about the events leading up to him leaving the role, Howard said, We did a three-picture deal. So that means that you did the deal ahead of time. It was going to be a certain amount of time for certain amount for the first one, uh, a certain amount for the second one, a certain amount for the third. They came to me with the second and said, Look, we will pay you one eighth of what we contractively had for you because we think the second one will be successful with or without you. And I called my friend that I helped uh, get the first job, and he didn't call me back for three months.
0: Do you know who he means when he says, I called my friend that I helped get the job? Is this Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah, it's Robert Downey Jr. Now, remember... Oh, no, read the next bit.
1: (laughs) Howard later claimed that the money that was taken away from his salary for the film went to pump pump up Robert Downey
0: Jr.'s salary. Danny Junior got a big increase from one to two. Yeah, uh, I think he took ten million home um, as Boy. a as a fee. Um, he also gets back end money from these movies. What's back end? He money? gets he gets a percentage of. Um, I don't know if he gets the gross or the net. Mm. I'm oh, not sure, yes. but I think I think it would have to be the gross because with Hollywood accounting, you never see any money from the net, um, and. Yeah, the amount of money he's he renegotiated after Avengers. Um, I don't know if he got ten million for this or if he got eight, but he got a lot of money. Yeah, um, for for this movie, um, insane money. And let's just remember that they came to Terrence Howard with a vastly small offer, mm. and Robert Downey Jr. didn't call him back for three months. And let's remember that. As we go on to discover something about Mickey Rourke's contract in this movie. Oh boy,
1: oh boy. (laughs) There's so much to behold. Later, Entertainment Weekly claimed Favreau did not enjoy working with Howard, often reshooting and cutting his scenes. Howard Publicist claimed he had a good experience playing the part, while Marvel chose not to comment. As Favreau and Theroux chose to reduce the role, Marvel came to Howard to discuss lowering his salary. Howard was the first actor hired in Iron Man and was paid the largest salary. However, speaking to Access Hollywood, Favreau said, It's always tough when you recast, especially when you recast someone that did a really good job. In this case, Terrence. Now we find James Rhodes being played by John Cheadle, and he's a fine actor. He had to find his version of the character. So I don't know if there's any kind of uh, whitewashing per se. Like, oh, no, 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 things are fine. You know, like, oh, he's a fine actor, you know.
0: Of course there is, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Look, um... We'll let you know because I want I want to get to the to the recent article that you've got those notes on and, and the, the vulture article and then we'll discuss what we think about it. We have we have we have so much to
1: uh, tread through. In February two thousand and nine, Scarlett Johansson signed on to play the Black Widow. Her deal included options for multiple films, including potentially the Avengers. Prior to her casting, Johansson had also researched
0: other Marvel characters she could play, including the Blonde Phantom and the Wasp. The Blonde Phantom is like a um, 1940s, uh, so pre-Marvel uh, character, like Timely. So the same era as the, as Captain America. That does not um, surprise me because that name rings 1940s yeah. serial to me. And hasn't really been like a marvel she she's kind of grandfathered in like captain america is and namor and the human torch and they kind of go oh all those comics we did in the 30s and 40s they are part of the marvel universe but she's not unlike them she I don't think she's ever re- she's not written in any major way as it's, a as a real character it
1: sounds like she really did her research so it's just like you know I'm going to find this obscure character that maybe I could play
0: i i don't i, I don't know if she's ever heard of the bon phantom I, I don't know with these these things i, I so often These things just include words they've found written down. That's fair enough. (laughs)
1: On training up to do a very physical performance as Black Widow, Johansson said, Black Widow is an expert in hand-to-hand combat. She's a mixed martial artist, has a dance and gymnastics background, so she combines all of these aspects into one kick-ass fighting machine. So I dedicated myself to putting in the hours, repetitions, and training with the stunt team until I felt comfortable that I could sell each particular move. I'm very sensitive about when you see an action sequence and the shot is on the back of someone, somebody's head and then all of a sudden it cuts and the actor gives that one dramatic pose at the end and it's obviously that it was not them in the shot before. <laughs> it's the lamest thing because you want to see the actor risking their own life and that is part of what sells it to an audience. So that's why I worked for months to prepare and I really didn't want to be
0: perceived as a little wuss who couldn't do it. It's amazing to think that you're essentially like taking on two jobs where yeah. you're doing something like that, you, as well as like acting and being an actor and learning your lines and the scripts and everything, you've got this whole other thing you have to do where, where you have to like sometimes learn something completely brand new and spend every day working out and, re- and it's just incredible.
1: i I, I find it incredible it's, I mean it's, it's not as uh, mad as uh, uh, Daniel, day, Daniel Day. Lewis what what was one of his films where he was training to be a boxer and apparently he could have gone on to be a professional boxer after that film because he you know he dedicated himself so well, much
0: into the training and the role that's what they said about um Robert de Niro in that's famously what they say about de Niro in um uh raging bull oh, raging that he yeah. was apparently in such great shape and and that he could have I mean but that kind of stuff does meaning being in shape and rehearsing is meaningless until you get I mean no one can be a great boxer until they've been punched in the face a few times and know how to fight.
1: Oh yeah, um, but I think being punched in the face—I don't mean to sound like sarcastic—but being punched in the face several times is is the key thing that helps you become a better fighter. Because I remember trying to do boxing at uni; didn't last long. I can't get punched in the face.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, get, you get
1: punched <laughs> square in the nose, and it's like no, it's, it's not like fun. A, it's, it's an not intense fun. reaction of oh god, oh god. You know, it's not nice. Yeah. But if you do it enough times, obviously you get through it, or or if you are genetically or psych- psychologically okay with it, you know, being punched in the face, then yeah, you're going to be a good boxer. But it's very hard to get past that. But yeah, oof,
0: yeah, real commitment from um, from uh, Scarlett Johansson or something like this. But of course, this this would be her. I mean, she probably wouldn't have known it at the time because I, then again, the first one was 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 a real success. But you never know. Like Marvel wasn't Marvel movies weren't movies she weren't weren't like real blockbuster movies yet. Mm-hmm. Scarlett Hansen didn't know this would be her real breakout kind of uh, role. Um I mean she
1: she comes off really well in this, I think, in in terms of like her commitment and just diving into
0: the character and
1: stuff. So yeah. like
0: hats off but, to her. Kind of think about was so. I mean, you could say the same about Robert Downey Jr. and Mm. a a bunch of these people, like Jeff Bridges as well. These are people that come from have a history of all kind of like mid budget, almost indie movies. Scarlett Mm. Hansen certainly has a a long history of indie movies, absolutely. Um, and and then there's and and Robert Downey Jr. I wouldn't necessarily call them indie movies, won an Oscar and all that kind of stuff, but taking these like character actors. Yeah. and and that, you know if you think of them the kind of the movies of the 80s and the 90s it was almost like we take these these kind of uh, action bodied action heroes and build an action movie around them the Marvel, and and also um, let's not leave out Batman begins and the the mm. the, the the Nolan approach is to not do that it's to take great actors. From great dramatic roles and mm. a history of great dramatic roles, and build an action movie around them. Yeah, we go. Yeah, yeah. It's a very different approach to what we saw. You know, um, and I, I don't think it. I, I really don't I don't think it really applies to Spider Man. I don't think it really applies to the X Men. Yes, there's Patrick Stewart and there's Ian McKellen, but I don't know. I I dare not. I don't. I don't think of it quite the same way. No, no, um, I totally get ba- you. Batman Begins really really changed things. As did as did. Um, Iron Man, with, with doing that, with, with taking a bunch of great actors from great dramatic roles in the past and movies that aren't action movies and going, well, what if our action heroes were tremendous actors <laughs> um, and could do jiu-jitsu? <laughs> Absolutely. In 2022,
1: Vulture published an article based on interviews with numerous Marvel insiders that exposed the troubled production of Iron Man 2. In
0: Give it 2000- to me. Here we go. Give it to me, Will.
1: Here we go. In 2018, the studio's chairman, David Mazel, greenlit Iron Man 2 just three days after the original Iron Man's debut, and that it hit wide release a mere 23 months after that.
0: Let's stop. Let's stop. Let's stop. Let's stop. Iron Man 2 Hmm. was released 23 months after the release of Iron Man 1. Yes. That's an incredible. That's a stupid amount of time That's crazy That is not enough time to make a film <laughs> From beginning to end From writing it I mean it, 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 it makes sense that This movie was kind of like green lit Right after the, the great mm. debut And that we saw that weekend box office was fantastic So yeah okay green light it But to then say green light it And in 23 months it's going to be out That's crazy
1: yeah, I didn't
0: appreciate that at all until you showed me this.
1: Yeah, it's 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 mad. I mean, you could do that in like the '60s with Bond films, but they're very, you know, cut and yeah. paste in in a lot of ways. It rushed through production without a script, a process described as the equivalent of
0: breaking ground for a skyscraper without a blueprint. Uh, there, I mean, Casablanca is the classic example. <laughs> That worked somehow without a script Mm. Um, But uh, uh, Modern day They all as we are Apparently going to find out in the next episode (laughs) When you don't have When you just keep a trouble production Going, oh man Yeah man,
1: fast tracking Iron Man 2 Led to both Thor and Captain America Being delayed in their release dates And meant Marvel released no movies At all in
0: 2009 (laughs) I I remember feeling feeling weird that we got a second Iron Man before a first Thor and a first Cap. Yeah, that yeah, looking back at it that was weird. You think you would have yeah. done Iron Man, Man- Hulk, uh, you'd set them all up, do Avengers and then do your sequel.
1: I think okay, obviously there's a uh nowadays we have the expectation of oh okay we're gonna get the sequel to Mm. this film in maybe five years and in the meantime we have these other characters uh, other characters because they've already been established and we and if they're new we trust um, the marvel studios enough to like give us something that we might be entertained by but this is early days this
0: is early days i think that approach works against like sometimes like the delay between Shazam and Shazam 2 is stupid The delay mm. between Aquaman And Aquaman 2 Like I'd forgot Aquaman 1 had happened And now the second one, I know it's a big movie It was, but it was years ago And yeah. So I, I don't I always want And, and we talked about how with, with, with modern Marvel They seem to leave your plot, plot threads Hanging until, until that other movie Kicks in and starts it And the meanwhile there's all this stuff going on But I, I but I can see the business side of it if if you've got a runaway smash hit from yeah. your small investment and every other movie is a gamble that's that's the other thing to remember about Marvel they don't have money yeah, they this, don't have money
1: as i said early days they they don't have this full momentum this whole franchise thing behind them they're basically it, striking while the iron is still hot of the success but, of the first iron man film
0: but but also they don't have money yeah <laughs> like if, if 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 um thor and captain america do as badly at the box office as hulk does mm. they could be done yeah they could be done before they get to avengers so they kind of need, if you've got a if you have a virtually a guaranteed hit with Iron Man 2, because the first one's a hit, mm. you've got to get that out. You've got to get that money in, put that in the coffers and also build extra steam and momentum and attention and good publicity. Cause you don't kind of want to go from Incredible Hawk was, eh and people thought it was <laughs> air we loved it but people thought it was air and it didn't set the box office on fire so do you want to go from that to something as untested as thor or do you want to go from another great fun iron man movie that people enjoy and that is you know that that makes more more sense as a as a as a sp- springboard into the next Untested character, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's it's just
1: amazing how everything was a risk at the beginning, and a now roll it's,
0: of the dice. Roll. I mean, and if you go back to the failed. Iron Man one episode, it was even more roll of a dice because they put up the rights that, to the intellectual property of these characters as collateral on the loan they took out, and if these movies failed, Marvel would have lost their biggest. Well, they would have lost one of their biggest characters and a lot of like l- great legacy characters which mm. would have been a real loss to the to the uh to the company
1: again just uh, just amazing how things played out instead anyway the lack of script led to a lot of changes to the movie mid production originally the movie was to adapt the 1979 comic book story Demon in a Bottle and deal with Tony Stark's alcoholism production designer michael Re- Reaver... Had even designed and built a toilet For Iron Man to puke in But it was ultimately scuttled before Principal photography by studio suits Concerned an alcoholic Iron Man Would derail
0: overseas marketing And depress sales of toys And merch I mean it's it's another thing about talking Mm. about How nascent And how kind of like how different Marvel was in his early days When they're like, oh, what's the next big blockbuster movie Going to be? Oh, it's alcoholic Tony Stark Now, looking back at it, we go Of course, like, Disney and whatever Aren't going to let that happen Of course that's not going to feature mm. But at the time They were like, yeah, we can do We can do a wild We can have Tony Stark being an alcoholic That That's not going to be a problem with what we're doing In China, or <laughs> what we're doing You know, in toy sales and merchandise sales But they... Yeah, they learned quick.
1: Yeah. The first Iron Man movie had been such a hit, Downey Jr. had gained considerable power behind the scenes as Marvel's only true star. The production of the sequel was weighted heavily towards his demands. Downey insisted on hiring his wife, Susan Downey, as executive producer. Uh-oh. Uh-huh. And the relatively untested screenwriter, Justin Theroux, was brought into work uh, around Downey's constant off-script ad-libs. Theroux remained on set for virtually every day of filming, revising enormous swaths of other actors' dialogue to jibe with Downey's improvisations. An on-set insider said, Theroux was a fairly untested writer who had had to go home every night and rewrite the next day's page to fit what Downey had changed the story into. According to the same on-set insider, the stress of making Iron Man Two manifested in severe back pain for Theroux, and by the end of the shoot,
0: he was bedridden with pain. The whole the whole Vulture article that you that you sent me is, is fascinating to read. Yeah, and it paints a really. It only came out two years ago. No, last year it came out. Um, yeah, two thousand two. Yeah, yeah, it, it paints a real... two thousand twenty fasc- <laughs> two. Two thousand twenty sheets. It paints a really fascinating picture of, like a a kind of power struggle where, Mm. as soon as Robert Downey, as soon as Iron Man hits and Downey Junior is the star, and it's Marvel's only star, he gains all this power and. um, Jeff, uh, what's his name? Jeff Bridges Mm. has talked about how. All of of Downey's ad-libs on the first movie really unsettled him, and he didn't enjoy it. <laughs> and then he just had to kind of, like, suck it up and pretend it was a student movie with a big budget. Mm. Um, Favreau, despite the fact... talking about he wanted to do uh, three movies. He leaves quick after this one. He ain't doing another movie with Robert Downey Jr. He's out of there. Mm. Um, Terrence Howard, you know... The the penny pinching is a real problem for Marvel at this stage, as we see with. I, I think it's a big part of Ed Norton leaving as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, that would make and sense. and and Terrence Howard going and everything, but I, I you just get this this uh, this overall sense of it's going to be Robert Downey Jr. and nothing, and like to it feels like that there's no one running the ship here. Yeah. Um, Oof. Yeah, that's rough man That 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 is, uh, so far of those three movies That's the most troubled we've seen These movies do not happen in a vacuum They are a part of the wider world of pop culture It's important we look at the uh, context around the release of these movies As we look at I Man 2 in a remastered way 2010 is the year it came out Will Preston, what mm. were you doing in uh, 2010? Uh, ex- stuff, non-depressing things only Non-depressing, oh, jeez Luckily, well, Because it was sometimes you go, well it was the height of something terrible for me And a family member had died and I'd lost my job and I <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well this was actually alright I was in second, second year uni, just started a new relationship uh, All going okay really uh, nothing much to complain about I was just it along at the University of Portsmouth
0: How very nice What were yeah. you studying?
1: Uh, Media
0: Studies and Entertainment Technology Films like what this is Exactly Tremendous I had a look back uh, On Facebook Sometimes it's hard to kind of I, I, We find it hard to plan out my To, to kind of work what was going on really mm. um, But uh, Facebook Memories came up uh, And I was able to take a look and 2010 is the year that I did my very first, I ran my first um, professional theatre comedy show. Oh, lovely. I'd spent many, many years running a small little gigs in the back of pubs and function rooms and coffee shops and just anywhere someone would let me, a curry house once, someone would let me take over. I did something in a curry house in my hometown um, where we did ticket events and booked comedians and paid them and everything, and got uh, screwed over by the people that ran the restaurant. And Aww. that taught me a lesson. And the lesson was, be really careful who you go into business with and who you partner <laughs> with. And I thought, well, I may, I, 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 did I did this, money people, I know how many I brought in. I thought from that point, and that would have been in two thousand 9 maybe 2008 I then decided Right okay My next one is going to be The theatre in town The big theatre mm. uh, And I'm going to They've got a They've got a, um, an arts room A studio theatre It seats 150 mm. I'm going to put a show on in there And it looks fantastic It's got ushers It's got professional sound and lighting people There'll be a sound check There's green rooms There's a proper ticketing service Not me trying to print some off online And flogging around town so yeah, I did. I did that, and it was, it was a sellout. Um, we did. So I had, um, I had Phil Walker uh, open the show. Phil nice. Walker is Roy Walker's son. Tremendous <laughs> comedian. Um, absolutely tremendous comedian. Um, the the show was headlined by Stephen Carlin, a really 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 funny, um, dry witted uh, comic. Yeah, and I think I gigged with him before. Yeah, Stephen Carlin's fantastic. Yeah, well, uh, named right around the time it came out. Um, Stuart Lee named him one of the top ten comedians in the UK, one of his favourite yeah. comic comics. Yeah. Um and then in the middle, the, the I, I what I wanted to do is have professionals from the comic circuit, but then also get people that I really loved, people that were friends of mine on the mm. that had come and done my little pub gigs and put them on in the middle. And so the two little known comedians in the middle on my first theatre gig were Darren Harriet, who's all over the telly <laughs> now. Wow. And Kiri Pritchard McLean, who's also all over the telly wow. now. Wow. Um, wow. and it was the start of like 5 years of of doing sell out shows there kind of four times a year it was that's fantastic. incredible yeah. mate.
1: that's incredible
0: um events in the rest of the world uh millions of european flights were cancelled when iceland's big volcano <laughs> Can't pronounce that,
1: that. can't pronounce that name can't
0: pronounce that e y j a a bunch of other vowels and consonants a big volcano <laughs> which had been dormant for years erupted and sent huge ash cloud into the air. Do you remember that happening
1: I, I do remember that happening it was quite funny i mean obviously i, I mean I, I wasn't taking a flight there but it was it looked, looking at the coverage of it, it was like that's incredible also quite funny
0: in yeah, a, in a, in, a, in a very childish way. The tallest man-made structure to date, the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, um, was officially opened. It's a testament to what you can achieve if you just just disregard human rights. <laughs> uh, you can just really break all kinds of records, guys. You can be the the, the kind of holiday destination mm. that influencers always want to talk about. Yeah, if you just really don't respect human beings. The first iPad uh, was released. And that's a big moment because big. I believe Netflix came preloaded on the iPad. Mm, it did, um, and we've talked about this before. That's a huge moment. That gets that kind of market penetration is massive for Netflix, um, and, and of course it would uh, help the rise of streaming services and the decline of video sales, which is the death of the industry. <laughs> um, and Instagram was launched. Um, to provide a profile for the kind of people that want to go to Dubai, um, music. <laughs> See what you did the 52nd uh, annual Grammy Awards was held. Um, Beyonce breaks a record. <laughs> breaks a record. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess so. She had a record-breaking event where she won oh. six Grammys <laughs> in one night, including Song of the Year for "Single Ladies." Still, an absolute like that's one of those songs. Single Ladies is one of those songs where, yeah. because it's played, it gets so much radio play. It's in so many kind of movies and adverts and soundtracks that it, 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 it is a danger of becoming background noise. But if you sit down and play <laughs> it and listen to it again, it is thunderously good. No, it it's, is such so, so well put together and produced. It's an incredible sounding song.
1: It's like me with uh, my Mariah Carey's "All I Want for Christmas Is You" because it's been played. You know, infamously played Ad nauseum. Yeah, When I actually sort of went, okay, I'm going to listen to this on my own right And you go, oh no, it is actually a good song. It's just that I I associate it with being constantly shoved in my face,
0: right? Well, for me, that has an element of nostalgia to it. I've, I've mm. that, 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 I I genuinely enjoy kind of Christmas festivities and things like that. I decorate my uh, house. Will uh, I'm not a Scrooge like you. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, but- coming out with it now. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, but but some—I mean, there's no nostalgia really attached to that song because I don't know it. It is it, a new to me. It's a new, it's a new song. But it's yeah. not Slade, Rob. It's not Slade. No, I, I, yeah, Walter. I meant I meant single ladies. But yes. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Oh, I thought you meant Christmas songs. So. <laughs> uh, Lady Gaga uh, sweeps the Video Music Awards, winning eight awards, seven for Bad Romance um, mm. and Best Collaboration with uh, Telephone with Beyonce. And Gaga gave an acceptance speech. For video of the year in a dress made entirely out of meat <laughs> Do you remember the meat dress? Yeah I remember that <laughs> I just remember thinking that it's the kind of thing that uh, You've been to the car boot haven't you Will? You've been to the car boot I, 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 I've I, perused The car boot sale we have in the UK And the car boot sale is where It's kind of like in America maybe you call it like a gar- We don't have like a garage sale We get all our garage sales together And we sell them at the back of the car in a big field. It's called a car boot sale. The car boot is what... I forget what you call the car boot. I can't be careful. I don't care anymore. The trunk. Sure. Um, So the car boot sale. And what you'll always have at the car boot sale is the meat van. Yeah. And the meat van is brilliant. It's a butcher. It's a roving butcher. (laughs) It's like an ice cream van, but with meat. And he's normally, a, a, not only is he a skilled butcher, he's the most charismatic man you've ever met. He's one of the best entertainers you'll ever see. He's got a microphone, and he's just going, I'm not going to give away four steaks. I'm going to give away 12 steaks for 10 pounds. And people are going mad. I always thought Lady Gaga's meat dress would be a great, like, assistant dress, like a magician's <laughs> <Yeah>. assistant. <laughs> but she's going to dress entirely out of meat. Look at what Ah. you can win Everything she's wearing Everything Linda's wearing You can pick up for just £12.50 Do you come Um, with the ribs? Oh you (laughs) (laughs) And and so Robbie Williams announced He will rejoin Take That Um, Top singles of the year Everybody Hurts All the the Helping Haiti uh, movement Um, That came out that year as well Mm. Um, uh, That was the top selling single of the year Um, Followed by TikTok by Kesha Man, I remember listening to that in the back of a car after fixing my mate's house And I heard that song and I said to a bunch of people, old men that they wouldn't care less I said, that song's going to be a massive hit It just sounds like a massive hit Uh, I was right Hey Soul Sister by Train Not a good one Uh, Uh, California Girls with a U by Katy Perry and Snoop Dogg That was a massive song at the time the mm, clan by that. Joe McElder Joe McElderry that, that sounds like a real name, that sounds like the name someone makes up when they're on the run. Um, <laughs> in the TV world, David Tennant would make his final regular appearance as the 10th Doctor. Um, uh, in, in, in uh, the end of time, Russell T Davis wrote uh, it was the end of Russell T Davis on the show as well until now, and both of them are back, um, mm. which is great. I don't know if you. Oh, you're not a Doctor Who guy. So just, I'm not. Like, have a sleep did, for a minute. I did watch a fair
1: amount of uh, of David Tennant. And I did enjoy his, his, some of his stuff.
0: Oh, he's wonderful, and I think mm. he gets the best. I think Matt Smith might have been a better Doctor, but he suffered from having much worse writing and creative yeah. kind of control and that kind of stuff. The End of Time, whilst it probably went a bit wobbly in some places. I mean, as a final hurrah for that guy, what happens with Wilf, Heartbreaking. I tear up every time I see it. I really do. It's mm. something special. And then we get the debut of uh, Matt Smith uh, as the 11th Doctor. It was watched by 10.4 million viewers live. Incredible in the day and age. Um, the Walking Dead airs its pilot. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's incredible. And uh, the Image comic book series becomes a, a well a successful multimedia franchise. It was already one of the most successful comics going.
1: Well, I, I will say like uh, we, I know we dis- we've disagreed in the past About whether or not the show's good I will say I always stand my ground That the Walking Dead pilot Is one of the greatest pieces of television ever made It's an
0: incredible pilot It's one of the tensest mm-hmm. the mo- That show has Multiple moments that I can remember the, I don't think anything is maybe as tense The tank bit Oh, yeah. Well, I mean,
1: I I read through all the comics. I was ahead in the comics, so I kind of knew what was happening. So a lot of it, I was just waiting for it to sort of play out. The
0: the glass door bit with Glenn is probably the tense. It it was one of the most, I find that to be one of the most painful TV experiences, that one. Mm. Um, That was brutal. Um, BBC Soap EastEnders celebrates its 25th anniversary with a live episode. (laughs) That's fun because I distinctly remember two people called the character by the actor's name in that.
1: I, Charlie um, Brooker did some coverage on that and, po- and pointed out the things that went wrong. Like someone who's supposed to be dead or knocked
0: out starts moving their hand while they're on the ground or something. It's really funny. The final episode of the BBC <laughs> drama Ashes to Ashes As It was bad. It was a bad sequel um, to. I like the uh, show, but the, the final episode was a bit. Oh, this is getting it odd. Was, it was not good. Um, the final episode of Sherlock as um, or oh, the first episode making benedict cumberbatch into a household name first first i always felt with those ones they just did three episodes and one of them was always ropey <laughs> i i um, the, the, the thing with sherlock is is like they always have
1: the middle episode is the one that's kind of almost isolated from the long running story yeah. and the, the the first and uh the first and last one are always about like, oh, we're just doing this to do cliffhanger stuff, you know, like uh, keep keep the tension up. But I I have to say the first two series of Sherlock, they were they were really good. I think after that it fell off a massive massive ledge.
0: No pun intended. It felt like they just didn't. Like I don't I don't get just making three. I mean I know they were hour long, weren't they? I suppose, but. I don't know man, just pull your finger out, do something proper Like the Americans can do it, why can't we do it And it just felt like those Gattis and um, uh, The other guy (sighs) I can't think of his name, the Doctor Who fella Anyway, felt like they were just kind of Had too much other stuff on at the same time
1: Oh I know the Doctor Who fella because he also did coupling And he he has a famous uh, thing of like Always ruining it on the last season Ruins everything
0: Around around the time this is coming out he's just taking over As the showrunner on... um, on Doctor Who, and yeah. anyway, um, and well, I don't think I don't think anyone's going to know about that one.
1: But the <laughs> okay, BBC so.
0: acts Last of the Summer Wine, good, um, <laughs> good. <laughs> Old men going down a hill in a bath. Um, in the movie <laughs> world, to <laughs> Guinness World Records. Two thousand and ten will was the most Ooh. expensive year in Hollywood to date. Think about that. Fifty yeah. biggest blockbusters released by major Hollywood studios. Cost a combined total of five point two billion dollars, the highest total in one year in cinematic history. Korea. in America. Um, Although I I guess so, but I would imagine that that would happen. Like every year would be more expensive than the last, or every ten years. Well, at least also because of inflation as well. (laughs) But uh, yeah, right.
1: Still, still impressive.
0: Um, do you remember Redbox automated kiosks? I don't know Ugh. if we had many in this country the I remember Redbox automated
1: ones. kiosks I remember automate, yeah.
0: yeah They were just like,
1: oh so it's a vending machine For DVDs yeah.
0: yeah Well due to intense competition from Netflix And it's the year that they are preloaded Into the iPad Redbox, who did automated kiosks um, And they did video on demand And um, Blockbuster Video Rental Stores File for Bankruptcy um, and that's Yeah We, we get yeah. The, the, the the Pretty much the death of, of, of uh, Renting traditional movies that way Yeah um, And uh, it all becomes it, We don't even do the We don't even do a video on demand rental It's all OTT service over the top yeah, some Netflix and well, you, you Netflix can uh,
1: Some services like Amazon
0: Prime and stuff, and other things you can do. And it's like, yeah, but it's not. It's not. People don't do it. it it's yeah, very, very rare. Yeah, I'll do. I'll do it occasionally. On my birthday or something. there's yeah. a movie I want that isn't available anywhere. But I, I tend to have bought some digital copies. But yeah, um, the highest grossing movies of 2010. We only had one superhero movie, by the way, which was Iron Man two. Um, we don't need a whole section on that. We 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 don't have any superhero movies in the top five. The highest-grossing mm. films: Toy Story three, which takes in over a billion dollars. Yeah, um, Alice in Wonderland made over a billion dollars. <laughs> I did not see that film. It was the uh, Kooky Man, wasn't it? It was, 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 was Kooky t- 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 Alice in Wonderland. Doing- Doing that thing a when
1: they go, fairy tale. Wow! Oh wow, we can do a thing where everyone expects me to do that, but in my way, and it plays out. It plays out so by the numbers. Great.
0: There's a sketch, um, that about Tim Burton making a kooky fairy tale, and his like casting agent, his phone only has two numbers in it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's Tim's wife. <laughs> And uh what's his face? Scissor Ann's boy, Johnny Depp, see it. Yeah. Um and then they go to the composer. What are you what are you gonna do for this movie? Oh. I'm thinking it's gonna go yep. Yes, yep. perfect. Put it in the movie. It's that like Danny Elfman, isn't it? Yep, doing your whimsy. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows part one is the third. Highest grossing movie of the year, $976 wow. million. Uh, dollars. Um, and of course, some of these will take more money because when they're released, Harry, Harry Potter movies always came out towards the end of the year. They were always mm. kind of a Christmassy movie. That makes so sense. if that came out in December time, then I imagine that movie would cross the billion point by the time it gets mm. to kind of the end of February the next year. Um, Inception. Boom. Um, <laughs> was that Nolan's highest grossing to date inception? Eight hundred twenty-five million.
1: No, must it must was... I think Dark Knight passed the billion mark. Oh, Dark, of course. Dark, yeah, yeah, yeah. It... Sorry, I yeah. meant non
0: of I his mean, non-franchise movies. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It, it no, you are right. It could be. Yeah, and then Shrek Forever <laughs> After. It's still a juggernaut comedy movie, I guess. Uh, Seven hundred and fifty-two million dollars. Always bet on the Shrek.
1: Yeah, there's, there's a
0: certain section of of youngsters, man. There, are there are, there are like that's a cultural touchstone for younger generations. Just Shrek movies in general. That a lot of the youngsters I work with will will hold up Shrek Two as like the funniest movie of all time and stuff. Nah, because it, they it's... saw it when they were kids, and yeah. it's in the DVD they watch again and again and things like
1: that. Mm. I find the uh, meme culture behind Shrek to be way better, but that's just me.
0: You know how I am. Yeah, broken in the brain. Um, in the, <laughs> <laughs> if we look at the world of Marvel comics in the year 2010, there's a heck of a lot going on. Will, Ooh, there's a heck of a lot going okay, on. Okay, okay. We get the Second Civil War, um, with the uh, Civil War Two takes place Mm, okay uh with the death of uh the hulk that happens in that movie in that movie in that uh in that timeline um we get the revelation that captain america is actually an agent of hydra oh i remember seeing that comic panel years later um which is a a very big and controversial moment and Mm. At some point, we will we will get to cover the Secret Empire storyline. I think it's incredibly worth, incredibly worthwhile. Some things in that are so fantastically well done, especially in the kind of social political commentary that it's making. Uh, we have the moment that Thor stops being worthy. Nick Fury Ooh. whispers something into Thor's ear. We don't hear what Nick Fury says. Thor drops Mjolnir on the moon and is unable to pick it back up. <laughs> Um, Because he is no longer worthy of Mjolnir Um, Ultimate Peter Parker dies And Miles Morales debuts as the new Ultimate Spider-Man In the Ultimate Marvel Universe Um, Which of course uh, becomes one of Marvel's biggest characters As we've now seen two movies dedicated to Miles And he's Mm. crossed over into the real Marvel Universe Um, It's another, uh, in in that kind of youth movement We also have uh, Kamala Khan debuts as Ms. Marvel In the very first issue of Ms. Marvel And we talked about and we covered that in our uh, Ms. Marvel episode Our first look at Ms. Marvel Just what a powerhouse of sales that was And just how many uh, young readers and female readers That incentivized to kind of join Marvel for the first time Um, One of the biggest Marvel characters of all time Unquestionable and the entire Marvel Universe is destroyed <laughs> <laughs> in the secret war that takes place the first time that Marvel Comics had done something that DC Comics had done several times, blow up their own universe, and then build it back from scratch. It's an interesting... Uh, it, it's a split opinion, this movie. Split mm. opinion, Will. Um, and, and we've certainly reached out to our listeners and said, please get in touch with your thoughts and reactions and memories of iron man 2 what's in the mailbag this week will
1: first off we got christian Girard, who said i don't remember much about it so i can't it can't have been great but then for the same reason it can't have been terrible either i remember you writing to us christian (laughs) (laughs) i remember mickey rook's scenery chewing being fun to watch as usual and regardless of the movie sam rockwell especially sam rockwell dancing is worth one star on its own
0: I love both those guys in this movie I'm a, I'm a really big Sam Rockwell fan he's I, I love him in I think everything um, And I think he's fantastic in this He's doing a really particular type of character And he just delivers it wonderfully I think uh, I have to say A lot of the negative reaction to Sam Rockwell Is a certain kind of uh, Fan or moviegoer That only wants Strong strong villain characters mm. there's a certain kind that doesn't like that he that that, that some villains are ineffectual and that are silly or that are vain and i think they just they don't like that this guy isn't like a bad bad like a menacing villain or a, i mm. think there's a lot of that going on with some of the bad reactions to him in this but they i, I guess
1: but 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 like in real life some of the most awful things are happened by people being
0: incompetent He's in this movie as well. <laughs> <laughs> he makes a cameo. The person you just described makes a cameo in this movie. Well done, Yep, will.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Well, I wasn't going towards that. I was talking about more about history in general. But yeah, you're absolutely right. And we will point that out later. Next up, Mark O'Neill said, I don't think it holds up as well as the other two.
0: But at the time, I really liked it. If you that's a worrying trend as well people that think iron man 3 is better than this movie i you are wrong
1: there were quite a few there are not quite a few but a few people that said oh no i preferred iron man 3 and i'm like really i mean not to not to poop on iron man 3 there's some good stuff to it but it does feel like diminishing returns after the first two for me Mm. but anyway uh, but at the time, I really liked it. It does have a bit of a feeling of being a trailer for the larger MCU. About it, but at that time, at the time, that was completely unheard of. So I welcomed it. Putting in Black Widow, the Thor sting, having Nick Fury talk about other situations that are giving him grief. It's a bit of a blueprint for how the MCU would work in its heyday, giving us little hints and rewarding us for our hours of Wikipediaing at work. To me, it feels like the first MCU film that actually exists inside that universe. And for that, I can't
0: poop on it too much. Uh, thank you, Mark. I think you're completely right. It it, it it is the first MCU, it is the first kind of universe mm. movie. You're right. It is, absolutely. Dylan Dodd
1: said, I remember it being the first time I didn't like Sam Rockwell in a film and being very sad about that. But re watching more recently I realize he's still great because he's playing a guy who is acting like he wants to be Robert Downey Jr.
0: Correct. Correct. That's the bit. That's, That's the, the stick. Yep. That's the character. Whereas yep. when
1: I first watched it it took more I took it more at face value that he just wasn't as good as Robert Downey Jr. Otherwise it's bad and probably one of the worst ones but hard to qu- quite pin
0: down why. These know. people, these either. people that when we do Thor, are going to talk about how great Thor the movie is. These like, are, no, no, these they, are lunatic they, they, people.
1: No, no, no. Some people are going to go, oh, oh, uh, Thor two is better than Ragnarok and Love and Thunder. And I'm like, oh, here we go. This to me, Adam Joyce. Thanks, said, thanks, thanks for writing in. though. Thanks uh, for writing in, and uh, we appreciate that. Uh, Adam Joyce said, out of the one shots which have uh, finally found their way onto Disney Plus, the one that follows on from this. film... Just stop me. What are the one shots? Do we know? Uh, I think the one shots are like little, smaller, like videos related to the films. If I oh, remember okay. right, thank you. Yeah, Good. Uh, one of the one shots that follows on from this film, a funny thing happened on the way to Thor's hammer, is my favourite. As for the film itself, it has some great moments, but there are there is so much going on. Some of it gets lost. Also, the Whiplash character missed the mark. Apparently, they cut out so much, and I felt it shows.
0: Mickey Rourke. Thank you, Adam. Mickey Rourke does talk about how he layered his character. He did extensive research with Russian mm. prisoners and he oh. went and spoke to Russian prisoners and oh, he well. he tried to build this character that, that had all this stuff going on and the most powerful person involved in this movie didn't want that stuff in it.
1: He's kind of like... In this, he looks like uh, goth Charles
0: Bronson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, it, it just seems like the people in charge went there's not enough robert downey jr not if we for- have all of your stuff in it so
1: we're paying him we're eight not- times what tarot yeah. was going to be paid so you no know, not happening mickey i like this film uh, sorry 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 Stu Pittaway said i like this film i didn't really get the hate to be honest sure whiplash was not the strongest bad guy but i like the way it really developed tony as a character and like you said introduced other staple characters into the mcu i feel like people's expectations of superhero movies need to be defined by the bad guy when that shouldn't always be the case needs to be defined by the bad guy sorry i feel like people's expectations of superhero movies need to be defined by the bad guy when that shouldn't always be the case
0: i don't understand what he said but that's fine Stu. thank you for writing
1: in uh simon james said this is just a good solid superhero movie you don't need to have fifteen movies and three to ten three three ten minutes. Uh, sorry, three ten episode series to understand the
0: backstory. The heroes kick You ass. don't. Sorry, man. I'm. And I know you probably don't mean this, but there is no Marvel movie that needs that. Exactly. I don't think there's any movie ever made in the action adventure genre that requires that. It it, I, it just doesn't exist. You people get so. I don't know what it is, intimidated or overwhelmed or something annoys you that there's more content out there and you don't want to see it so it kind of annoys you. No Marvel movie requires that. Maybe, I mean, Infinity War and Endgame, I guess need, you need something for that. Infinity War and Endgame, hang. You, need, you can you still You can still cope. Well, it, it reminds me when my dad went to
1: see, told me he saw Endgame. He was like, bloody oh, yeah. rubbish. Didn't understand what's going on. <laughs> I'm like, but you didn't see any of the previous films, did you? No. It's like, those are the only films that make sense, but like, When I watched uh, Doctor Strange 2 with my mum, she hadn't seen WandaVision. All it took was 10 seconds of explaining what happened on WandaVision. Like, you know, just the main bits. Done. Great. She knows what's going on now. Great. uh, Yeah, you're absolutely right. Anyway, anyway, anyway. The heroes kick ass and learns about himself along the way. There's a supervillain with a clear motivation who is a credible threat. There's a dastardly rich villain who wants more money. Good action, good comedy moments. The hero wins in a satisfying way. Is it a perfect superhero movie? No. Is it a textbook example of the genre? Yes.
0: Yeah, thank you. It's a, it's a, it's a good movie. I, I,
1: you know, it does, Re- it, it does it really well. Reasonable. Absolutely reasonable. Michael Wilson said, The pacing was spot on. The dialogue was on point. Effects were mesmerising. This whole movie felt like it was Empire Strikes Back in the MCU. The characters were human. Robert Downey Jr. encapsulated Tony Stark. Having never read an Iron Man comic, more of a Punisher, Batman guy, I don't know a lot about the characters apart from what is on the screen. I love this movie; it makes me smile. So That's a
0: great review, thank you, Mikey. Um, yeah, I think it is interesting. You get it's nice to have more depth to Tony Stark in this movie. That that was an interesting. Uh, you know, we got we got we got more we got more Tony Stark. You know, absolutely. Jordan Gray said it was great. We
1: got to see how Iron Man tech was starting to spread around the world. Mickey Rourke is a quirky weirdo. Hammer is funny. Special effects are killer. Bloody great superhero film. Thank you, Jordan. Ka- King Canuck has written in, finally. I actually have the novelization of Iron Man 2 somewhere. <laughs> oh, novelizations of films. Oh, they always make me giggle. I can't say... I can't exactly say what the differences would have been from one to the other. But I can. I, I enjoyed I can. the... I enjoyed the inner monologue of Tony as he thinks about his mortality through the story.
0: when the I saw it big difference is that the element that Tony Stark invents to save himself is vibranium. Is uh, that
1: in the uh, book in the novelization that you saw novelization? About, yeah because yeah, I was thinking like, is that supposed to be no it can't be when I saw it in the cinemas, I don't think there had been any announcement of what would be coming next uh, next yet that's I saw. He had just been this one character of Iron Man and I suppose Hulk off to the side. Good film, but even then I felt it wasn't being highlighted as much. I thought it was a natural evolution of Rhodey to pick up an armour. I think that dedicating significant time to Nick Fury tried uh, trying to set up the Avengers was well worth the time. And the introduction of Natasha as a spy against Tony was fun, even if not for the KGB. Justin Hammer should have come back by now. I don't understand why the MCU doesn't like reusing villains. I honestly wished he had been the corporate bad guy in Ant-Man 2, but I hope to see him in Armor Wars because there's just so much funny charisma to this man trying to be Tony but failing. Whiplash had a solid character motivation, but unfortunately Mickey Rourke was missing something to make him truly memorable in the scheme of things. P.S. Every time I see a dude, bro, complaining about the face four heroes being silly or comedic or childish, even I send them Tony drunkenly peeing in his suit and then getting into a fight with his friend in front of everyone with the rationale of that they've always been a bit ridiculous
0: and goofy. That's the comics. Fantastic. Thank you, King Canuck, for writing in and taking the time um, and for giving us that perspective on the novelization as well. Um, you can always get in touch with us here at marvel versus marvel at gmail.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter and tweet at us At Marvel Versus But the best place to get in touch with us Will The best place It's on Patreon.com yeah. slash Marvel Versus Marvel um, We put hours and hours and hours into making these episodes We put our blood, sweat and tears in And uh, we need you guys to help keep us going um, Support us on Patreon.com slash Marvel Versus Marvel You're listening to this Again, you are listening to this every mm. week. You are listening to the historical recaptures we do on every other week. You you, you listen to both parts. You are re-listening to older episodes. You know that you are taking from me and Will, and you are not giving back. <laughs> you need to give back. Give and take in this world, baby. And you are just all take, take, take. I tell you, who's giving back? The big heavy hitters on Patreon: Peter J, Brandon Schmigilski, Randall Schmidt, Beer. Sam, Bindi, Soupy, Jack Davis, Billy Brown, Zubair Q, David Fan—the top hitters, the top supporters of this podcast on Patreon.com/slash Marvel versus Marvel—and in exchange, everyone that gets involved and gets invested gets awesome exclusive content as well. That's not available anywhere else. Um, we make a, a variety of different rewards for everyone. Um, we, we have big deep dive bonus episodes that you can't get outside of Patreon And those episodes take a deep dive into something really special A comic book series, a comic book event, a comic book storyline That perhaps hasn't been adapted yet Or a deep dive into something that has barely been touched upon Um and this month we 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 took a uh, a very special deep dive, will, into the ultimate Marvel universe and the dark and edgy version of the Avengers. Mm. Um, you know, spinning off of our last episode, which was all to do with kind of a, a sort of adaptation, a cleaned up adaptation, if you will, the Ultimate Avengers. Um, mega mega episode on the Ultimates. Um, that was the good. first was and the second one. series. Yeah, had it, had, it was a lot. It was a lot to take in. A lot of edgy adult stuff going on <laughs> uh, in the guise of the Avengers. How did you feel? What was your takeaway? Well, my takeaway is like obviously I was quite prepared because I've read my fair share of Mark Miller.
1: Uh, I just wasn't prepared for how good it was going to be. If that makes mm. sense, because I I hear Mark Miller and I go, oh great, this is going to be some tasteless humour in there, and you know it edged towards that in places, but it was. It was funny, there were some really smart moments Some real surprises in there And again, another comic you won't let me read
0: Another great comic you won't (laughs) let me read It's the premise of the show, it's not me personally It's the premise of the show That's right Rob, hide behind the podcast If you join us at the VIEP tier or above Then you get access to um, 30 something Deep dive bonus episodes Including the new one we do every, Every month Uh, This month it's the ultimates But there's also deep dives into... Uh, maximum Carnage, there's deep dives into the Onslaught Saga, into Secret War. Um, there's just deep dives into everything. I know the Kang Dynasty, we did that. That's one of Will's favourites.
1: Mm, um, yeah.
0: We did deep dives into Justice League versus the Avengers. The Amalgam Comics, where Marvel and DC merge universes. There's tons and tons of <laughs> deep dive episodes, yeah. like 90 minutes, 2 hours. They're all up there. For those at the VIEP tier and above, um, coming in at lower tiers, you can the, the the basic tier you can join on is just the cost of like a, barely the cost of a coffee. Really, it's three pounds, three English Brexit pounds. Um, that's the basic support level that keeps us uh, in cheese and eggs for the month. Uh, keeps the lights burning, pays for the Wi-Fi and the storage of the uh, of the data. And in exchange for that, you're going to get access to all of our mini episodes, which we put out every single month. We put out a really fun edition of Obscure Marvel, where I go digging through the trash cans of the Marvel Universe to bring the most obscure and ridiculous uh, Marvel characters and Marvel stories to Will. Um, And we have a lot of fun with that every single month. This month, Will, we looked at the Black Llama (laughs) and his Orb of Power. Yeah, that wasn't even the most mental bit, but you know, you're gonna have to listen to the episode for that. A crazy, crazy edition. Um, a crazy episode. Uh, and do you know who was a part of his super villain war? Whiplash. Oh There's a tie in going on oh, there. Oh, there we go. I see so what you did there. Every month we are putting out two bonus episodes. One goes out to everybody, one goes out to the, the big the big kahunas um and uh, that's how everyone can support us You can also get early access to every episode um, But the biggest thing that you get out of it Is a sense of worth <laughs> You stop being worthless You stop being a consumer You stop being a contributor You stop being a part of society You stop being a part of this community You in contact with us There's all sorts of things you can do Get in touch And you can let us know the things you want us to cover in the future And you can rake us over the coals when we make a mistake. There's some big mistakes already been made in this episode, as I've just realised. You can get in touch and let us know all about that. Patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. It's where you can get great bonus content and also do the right thing. On the other side of this break, me and Will take that big deep dive into Iron Man 2 and all the history and trivia it contains.